February 26, 2023, we're continuing the Mesilat Yisharim, we're in Perik Yod Aleph, in the paragraph that begins with Harichilut, if you recall, what Ramchal is referring to and describing over the course of Perik Yod Aleph, this very long chapter in Mesilat Yisharim, is Bivyur or Bipirte Midat HaNikiyut. He's detailing Nikiyut, Nikiyut, loosely defined as cleanliness, and what does it mean to be clean with regards to character traits, but more specifically with regards to the black and white of mitzvot Torah? Silat Yisharim is describing for us how many of the mitzvot, the averot, the prohibitions, the restrictions, the uh, commandments, are matters that are uh, elusive with regards to our strict adherence to them. They're matters which we are either milamed heter to ourselves, we, su- we suggest to ourselves and to others that this is permitted, or alternatively, in circumstances, just make the wrong decision because of the situation, the pressing need, or the societal norm and drive that that are. So in the midst of talking about that, well, if you recall, over the course of, well, I guess, last class, we talked about dibur, we talked about that, uh, what the Mikubalim referred to as ruach, that uh, very tenuous and careful domain in our lives, the ruach memalela of human beings, vaypach be'apav nishmat hayim, targum ungulus translates as ruach memalela, the ability to speak is very much what characterizes us as human beings, to have refined speak, to have purposeful speech, and in turn, over the course of several paragraphs, Masilat Yisharim has been describing, again, the very severe and strict reality of misusing speech, which uh, is uh, the ability that we can and will take our minds and apply them to this world in an appropriate way. In closing that conversation, for all intents and purposes, he talks about uh, perhaps the most common, the most uh, standard wrongful speech, and that is, of course, rechilut, slander, and lashon hara. It says the, the homer, the severity of Rechilut and Lashon Hara, already well known. Again, he's over the course of many paragraphs describing for us circumstances, situations that are sometimes not so well known. He says this one, it's Godel Anafav, it's many derivatives and branches with regards to characterizing and understanding Rechilut and Lashon Hara, although there aren't so many Gemarot. So already well known, It might be that the majority of people are involved with matters like Gezel, if you recall, less that Gemara told us was Ba'arayot. Uh, everyone, however, that's something which befalls every individual. Which is really the Gemara with regards to Lashon Hara. What does it mean to be involved in the dust of Lashon Hara? Again, it's not going to be the specific, hardcore, wrongful speech, but even the dust of it is problematic. That's what he's been describing throughout as the Anafim. Person turns to the other and says, or he says out loud, you know, I'm looking for a fire. I know where I'll find it. I'll find it in that person's house effectively stating or implying very clearly that person is always involved in cooking. 
they're describing that person as a gluttonous per- person. You didn't say it. Well, me, I didn't say that. I just wanted to say that I'll probably find fire. And again, you're talking about an oven which is starting up, a smaller oven of some sort, uh, once upon a time. But uh, that's what the speech is. So it's avak lashon hara. It's not direct. I'm not saying that person's gluttonous, always eating, always cooking. So I'm looking for fire. I imagine I'll find it in his house. Or alternatively, in front of those whom you know, that person very clearly is disliked by you talk about their greatness. It's only going to cause more problems for him. They're only going to poke more fun and find issues with what you're describing. Even though those matters seem to be light and far from true slander, in truth, those are characterized and should be seen as avak. They should be seen as the dust of lashon hara. Kilalo shel davar. I want the principle of the matter. Harbe derachim la yetzer aval kol davar shiuchal lehivaled mimenu nezek ubizayon lachavero ben befanav ben shelo befanav hareze bechlal lashon hara hasanui metoav lifne hamakom. The kelalas, there are many ways, of course, to the yetzer, and we'll review one more time what that word yetzer means. People assume it means something which is ingrained and a part of you. Litzor yesira, if you recall, means to craft. We have a body, we have a mind, we have a soul. How it's crafted is a reference to what the yetzer hara or yetzer hatov are for us. They're external as even Harambam describes. It's a question of how we let ourselves or how we drive ourselves to be crafted. Are we going to be driven by good or by bad? Anyway, the statement then is, of course, he's referring to the wrong direction, crafting yourself in the improper way. If it's any word, any statement, any speech which could or might bring forth damage or um, sorrow for another person, whether it's in front of them, to their face or not, that would be incorporated under the heading, under the prohibition of Lashon Hara, which is hated and disgusting in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To the extent that a person who speaks wrongfully about another it's as if they're kofir ba'ikar. Kofir ba'ikar, the word kofir, we're somewhat familiar with. To be a kofir means to be a person who scoffs at the fundamentals of belief and tradition. Uh, a person who speaks lashon hara is kofir ba'ikar. How and why should that be so? Not simple per se. Standard interpretation is if, that we, if we properly understand human beings as representing HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as embodying Eitzelem Elohim, and you're in turn speaking wrongfully about them, well, then you're being kofir ba'ikar. If you're incapable of understanding the value, the nature inherent to each person to do right, uh, albeit under extenuating circumstances, it might not seem that way, you are an individual whom the hachamim, again, not in the legal sense, but in the hamaladic, in the derasha sense, describe as a kofir ba'ikar, krakitiv melashni baset re'eu oto Continuing in terms of where and what domains, what realms and situations we need to work with regards to ourselves on that cleanliness, that nikiyut, sina, nikima, hatred, revenge. Adam. For the wayward hearts, minds, and souls that we have, it's very difficult to overcome and escape those sorts of 
um, drives those sorts of mindsets and approaches to another. Ki ha'adam margish me'od be'il benotav u'mitsta'er sa'ar gadol. We have a personal and sometimes good personal uh, wherewithal with regards to how we feel about ourselves. We have a certain self-dignity and honor. I just mentioned the Tzelem Elohim. We should all embrace our Tzelem Elohim. And as a result, when another either uh, objectively or in our minds wrongs us, it makes sense. Uh, to take revenge would and is in our eyes, in our, so to speak, palates, uh, sweeter than honey. It's the only way that we can imagine finding peace by getting it back at that person. And therefore, if a person is able to muster up the strength, the courage, the ability not to, to be ma'avir al midotav, not to instinctively or innately go after the other for what they did wrong to them. And in the circumstance, a situation which is almost catered to nikama, to revenge, you don't. We'll talk about keeping a grudge in a moment. Instead, you have it forgotten. And in your mind, it's as if it never happened. That circumstance would not be understood as something easy at all. That's in the eyes maybe of angels, says Misilati Sharim, a, a quick and easy circumstance to overcome, or it's not overcoming, just to be in. There's no nikama, there's no nitira for human beings to not take revenge, that's a superhuman feat. And that's an amazing statement he's making. That should be, we should each be reminded we have a Torah which is given to human beings, which means by definition, it has to be something which is capable for us to accomplish. And this is a point that many make. I always quote in the name of Meshech Chochmah or Sameach, Vimeir Simchav Tvinsk. He points out that the way that the Hachamim will objectify mitzvot, they'll quantify mitzvot and tell you how you perform it, they're effectively telling you this has to be, the entirety of the Torah given to human beings, has to be uh, capable for us to perform and to fulfill. It can't be that we live in a world where we have uh, circumstances that are out of this world and we'll never be able to f- perform it. And so the statement then is that nekama, although very difficult, although only easy for Malachi Asharif, it's capable for human beings as well. It's not an impossibility, it's just something that's very difficult. He has these words in here that you need to be mesir milibo. You have to be shocheach. That's not simple at all either. To be, uh, aside from uh, electromagnetically doing so in some sort of way or fashion, to state to a person you can't think this any longer and you're uh, forbidden from feeling that way, uh, that's, that's a tall task, which that circumstance could and perhaps should be considered impossible. Of course, Ralph will quote for us, Ibn Ezra in Parashat Yitro and Lot Ahmad. Ibn Ezra famously asked this question. He says, how could, how could God ask us not to be envious of another? That's a natural instinct. And the answer that he prefers and others as well is to build boundaries for ourselves, to work toward a circumstance where I distance that sort of circumstance, those sorts of thoughts from my mind. That's what the Torah asks of me. Wings. What's that? A bird with wings. 
He doesn't give that mashal. He talks about uh, the Ben Kefar and the Bat Melech, as I recall. Um, maybe that's the way your rabbis did it. I don't know. Now. I'm not me. Um, but what I'll, I'll tell you further is, and uh, the notes in this book, Rabbi Abraham Baum, uh, make this point later on, when just later in this paragraph, when he talks about the mitzvah, uh, in that context, he quotes from Haram Bam and Hilchot Deot and Perek Vav, from many others as well, that oftentimes, if not always, when the Torah prescribes for us certain um, mind uh, activities, certain heart realities, what the Torah effectively is truly asking of us is action-based uh, reality. In other words, begin and have in your actions a way of achieving toward the other, uh, so to speak, a way that you reach out to them the way you would want to be reached out to. Um, be able to, in the circumstances where there's potential for nikama, for nitima, uh, for, for uh, nitira, for sina, to overcome it with regards to the way you externally appear, the internal, we can't and would not demand. What we demand, not we, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands is the action. Of course, it's the Sefer HaChinuch, which we've returned to on so many occasions in this class, Sefer HaChinuch, in the context of the Korban Pesach, where he talks about the appropriate way of engaging with Korban Pesach for Am Yisrael at that time period. And his suggestion is, Sefer HaChinuch, that based on our actions, nimshachim our hearts will in turn be drawn. Which again means to say that the description over here of how impossible it is for a human being, or seemingly impossible, to to get to this state of being, but that's where you need to be. You need to be shocheach, you need to be mesimilibo. That begins and to a certain extent ends as well. The hope is that it affects your intellect, your emotions as well. But effectively, it's a call, it's, it's a command from the Torah with regards to actions. Nothing more and nothing less. We can speak about what the actions should impact, how they should impact, impact you. But it's not a description of work intellectually on this matter. Assume that you're going to be able to change your heart or mind. All right, continues. We've done this many times where you just say that this is an ideal situation which we need to set as the goal. You can suggest that as well. You can suggest that, and we'll talk about that in the context of emet in just a few moments. Um, but uh, again, the Torah asking this is, is the question is, what are you doing? And was, what sort of engagement are you involved? Not you. Are we involved with? Uh, with regards to coming to uh, not being soneta hicha bilvavecha, coming to loti konveloti to. So he's describing to us something about the live. I'm purposely taking a moment to say, don't get caught up in that. Don't focus your energies, your mind, your spirit on, let me change my mindset. I'm going to do a lot of meditative practice. I'm going to go, this is not a call against psychology, but it's not a call to psychologically alter yourself um, internally and then hoping that it affects you externally. The way most, if not all, of the mifarshim and the poskim do it is it begins externally and then enters internally. To your point, we're talking about an ideal, ultimately speaking, certainly, ultimately speaking, but, but again, this one's not even an ideal. This is achievable. Are you going to come to zero? I don't know you're going to come to zero. But are you going to come to a place where you can be at peace with this person because you're act, you know, well, zero. I, listen, I'm no, I'm no cognitive behavioral therapist, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, but, but that's, that's the, that's the uh, direction he, uh, he and uh, others are bringing us in. Omnam gezerat melechi, right? Those are his words. He says that the gezerat melech, gezerat melech means it's the decree of a king. In other words, this is what you have to do. And that, that's what he's hinting at with regards to the, 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 the point we made earlier. He says it seems impossible, but it's gezerat melech, which means that you have to do it. 
I'm going a step further, and it has to be achievable to some extent. Um, uh, pesukim are somewhat clear and uh, explicit. They don't need any commentary. What's the difference? What are the uh, situations of nikima, of revenge, netira, not bearing a grudge? Dahinu nikima. Nikima revenges, Limana Mehitiv, Limishalorasa Lehitiv, Oshehera Lokevar. It's uh it's our um our drive and, and in turn doing, making certain to pay back badly, or at the very least not in a good way, to someone who abstained from doing good to us or did bad to us. Unitira on the other side of this, Nitira Lehaskir Baitchumetiv Lemishera lo is a zikaron min asalo. It's as you do um, good for that person who didn't do good for you. You remind them, I might be doing good for you, but it's in no way commensurate to your actions and ways to me. And since we have a yetzer, which will not allow for us to forget, does not allow for us to let go of something, a circumstance, situation where we felt wrong. And even if we've been able to overcome that... Uh, that, that stinging pain that we had in the initial stage. Something will have some sort of diminished spirit with regards to that person. Yomar, so as a result, this is what we'll be driven to do. Listen, I understand you're not going to take revenge. Um, this person didn't give you when you were in a time of need. At the very least, if you're giving him, I understand, you feel like you need to give him, that's the mitzvah of the Torah. Don't give it with a smile. Don't give it in any easy way. He didn't help you in the past. You're going to help him at the very least make the point. You're not helping him all the way. Don't give him the full aid. Give him half of what he's asking for. You're effectively throwing a, a wrench into this good action in this moment. Uh, that's a that's a nikimanitira situation. But I'm doing right. You're doing right, but you're not going all the way. That's the kohayetzer as Mesilai Shalim has it. Oh, I'm going to go even all the whole way. I'm even going to smile, but not at him. If I won't do it to his face. I'll help him. I'll do it. Give it to his face. But then I'm not interested in returning to that relationship. Or you become friendly with him, but you don't have the same friendship. You're not able to restore it. Any of these sorts of circumstances. That's the cunning side of our Yetzir. Which attempts and successfully does so, it, it uh, gets our minds, hearts, and spirits away from the proper direction and relationships with others. For that reason, that we have this uh, heading with regards to many, if not all, of the interpersonal relations that are demanded of us. It's exactly like you without any difference. No differentiation, no, no, uh, not, nothing separating. No plans, no ulterior motives. Uh, again, that's the description, and it just needs to be mentioned one more time with regards to achieving 
in the strict legal sense and certainly in the practical sense that begins and to a certain extent ends with actions, with activities. You train yourself with regards to the way that you approach the other with actions, with externals, and then the hope and the, uh, and, and the, and the direction and ultimately the, the goal is that that affects you internally as well. Ulam. Is he arguing that Befanav and Mo Befanav is better to be Befanav? Yes, very clearly. What does that mean? That uh, you, we're not dealing with tzedakah per se, no. of course. It's not being holy. It means that uh, when he was talking about the different the levels of how you could take revenge upon a person, so he said, so maybe you'll you'll help them, you'll aid them with all that they're looking for, but you won't give it to them f- to their face. You'll instead give it to them through someone else. So that in and of itself is a is an avak, is an anaf of a nik- nikma. How do you look at it with like a vir and a way instructing to get revenge on Yoav? and set them up. Um, obviously, in general, you don't want to, but there are cases where... Uh, correct. I mean, there are cases where, you know, questioning always, even amongst our, midst ourselves, with regards to our own lives, the, uh, the truthfulness and the drive, uh, there's no question. The same way he's going to talk about in Emet, there are going to be exceptions to Emet, of Mishanim, Mepine HaShalom. They're going to be, uh, we, we describe HaKadosh Baruch Hu as El Kanna, uh, how, do you, how do you justify that as well? Leave David aside. Uh, so there are, there are and will be circumstances we're talking uh, quite clearly about the general sense, the perspective, the way that you're supposed to condition yourself. Ulam has shivuot. He continues and talks about swears, oaths. He says, even though a standard description of a person who's not a hediot, it's not a simpleton, it's not going to be swearing uh, quickly, it's not going to be taking oaths on a consistent basis. There are nonetheless derivatives, there are branches which are not strict vows and swears. Uh, there are matters and speech which is similar, and if you're looking to be naki, uh, you should uh, strive in these circumstances as well. He'll give us Talmudic examples. Each of us can, in our own lives, understand the derivatives in our own lives, in our own colloquial language and expressions, one to the other. When we use words that are perceived and understood by myself and the other as a promise uh, to distance from those. The example he gives, the statement of Rabbi Azar is just saying love. No, that in of itself is uh, just you say I, no. Uh, that was a shivua. Hen, yes, is a shivua. Amar Rava Vehuda Amar Lav Lav Terezimne Vehuda Amar Hen Hen Terezimne. Rava qualifies. He explains it's only if you said it twice. Just saying yes isn't a swear. But yes, yes is. No, no is. Again, Pesach Halacha, notwithstanding, the statement is speech is significant. Speech is significant legally and in turn uh, to pay attention to the words that come out of our mouth, to the way they're perceived and understood to others. What we mean with them is uh, exceptionally important. Although the Pasuk talks about Hin Sedek, Hin is a measurement. You should have righteous measurements. You shouldn't skew your measurements. The Derashav, the Gemaras, don't read it as Hin, but read it as Hen. Hen means yes. Your word of yes should be Betzedek, should be righteous as well. Vihine. Devar ha Sheker gam hu holira. He says, now let's talk about Sheker, speech of 
false, uh, falsity, of lying, nitpashet me'od b'vnei adam, it's a illness, it's an ailment, and it is widespread. Ve'ulam madregot, madregot yesh bo. Yesh b'nei adam she'umanutam mamash yashakranut. Hem ha'olchim u'bodim ilibam kezavim ha'gemurim l'ma'an harbot siyaha ben ha'beriyot o le'hashev min ha'chachamim v'yodeh devarim harbe. They are what he describes as shakranim. Shakranim are people who go around and make a livelihood from telling stories and reporting matters which never happened. They make themselves seem very wise, knowledgeable about what's going on, about reality, but it's an absolute lie. About them, that extreme, that's the abomination, that's the hateful uh, people of God. Shekhinah, there are four groups which won't in the future uh, accept the face of the Shekhinah. One of them is Katashakranim, is the group of those who lie. If I remember correctly, Maharal in his Be'ir HaGola explains this is a reality. This isn't a punishment per se. It's a reality. What Mesilat Yesharim in a few moments will describe is that Hotamo, the signet, so to speak, the signing of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Emet. Uh, to pair up someone who's sheker with with emet uh, is, is just uh, in, 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 there's there's no compatibility over there. Furthermore, I don't think he'll quote this Gemara in Masechet Shabbat and Afkof Dalit. The Gemara in Masechet Shabbat has that sheker is a matter which lakae and emet is kae. Kae means to stand. To understand something that's false is to understand it will fall. To alternatively perceive something that's true, that's to understand that it will stand. I know that there's, uh, the, the Darshanim like to point out that Sheker, the letters, Shin, Kof, and Resh are all right next to each other. When you build something without foundation in, in, a, in a strong way, so it falls. Shin, Kof, and Resh are letters which are all adjacent one to the other, kind of place them one on top of the other. That's something which easily you blow over. Alternatively, Emet is quite the opposite. Emet is Aleph, Mem, Taf, beginning, middle, and end. You built a foundation in that respect. You built something that will have a sustenance. The description in turn of being Number one, there's no compatibility. Number two, Sheke cannot and will not endure. It's uh, it's Lakae, that's the statement of the Gemara. I was in, in several Batemidrash reared on the importance of intellectual honesty. Uh, in, in the world, I'm sure there are many ways of being dishonest, but intellectual honesty is, uh, at least in the Bet Midrash, is at the for- forefront of, of true Talmud Torah. Um, I was told by one of my rabbis, and then I read it in the book of another, Rabbi Chaim Ilson told this story, and it's in the book of Rabbi Hashel Shechter, Nefesh Arav, that when Rabbi Chaim Brisker, that's Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik, was um, 27 years old, he was appointed a Ram, he gave a shi'ur in the famous Velazhin Yeshiva, and it's Chaim Yeshiva. There was a lot of uh, protest against him giving shi'ur. He was a young man, the question was whether he was qualified. He was very popular amongst the young men. It's not always remembered that way. People remember as just being a brilliant person. You say brilliant people there in the clouds. He was very popular. He knew how to talk to people. All the young guys loved him very much and enjoyed learning Torah with him. Uh, the claim was because he was married to Nitziv's granddaughter. He was married to Rabbi, um, to, to Rabbi Rafael Shapiro's daughter. That's why he got the position, but he's not really worthy of it. And the story as it was is that several of the important people affiliated with the yeshiva came to listen to his shi'ur one day. He was giving shi'ur in the first perik of Masechet Yevamot on the sugya of Ailonit. And they came into the shi'ur, 
And the names I remember that were there, Rabbi El-Azhar, Moshe Horowitz, you'll find his notes on the side of the Gemara in some places, you understand the personalities we were dealing with, Rabbi Eisel Kharif, uh, Rabbi Ruben Denenberg, I remember Rabbi Ilsen saying was there as well, and uh, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi El-Yamir. Anyway, there were any, many of the Ashkenazi Kedolim, the time period listening to this year, or of this young, budding, erudite scholar, Rabbi Chaim Salvech, and he gives this year, and it was, uh, it was a Hadith point, it was a very uh, clean uh, distinction, as he was wont to do. And then in the middle of the class, he realized that he had forgotten in his interpretation of Harambam's words, Harambam's words in Perusha Mishnayot. Nobody in the crowd remembered that, but he remembered it. And so he took his book and he closed it and he said, I forgot the words of Harambam in Perusha Mishnayot and Masechet Yevamot. He closed his book and he said, I'm sorry for wasting everyone's time. And he walked out assuming that he lost the position. Of course, the rest was history. That so much impressed the people. That was the sign that he was a person who was intellectually honest. The fact that the class that the Shi'ur was very wise and that he had very insightful words was very significant. The fact that he was able to be that in and of itself, that was the mark of this young 27-year-old person that he was destined for greatness. Anyway, that being the case, Mesilat Yisharim talks about this in a general sense, not only intellectually, but in every aspect of our lives. This, uh, this, uh, this, this chase of truth is, is uh, and, and he'll quote many Ma'amare Hazal and Pesukim, which talk about this being, being reality as it could and should be, whether that's the way it matches with our own reality or not is to be determined. There might be the shakranim, those are people who are who are constant liars. But then the people who are close in terms of those lives. Might not be exactly the impulsive constant liars. Those are people who are mechazevim. In what way? Not that they make a livelihood, per se, out of lies. They're not great storytellers, and they don't close every deal with a good story and a great lie. But from time to time, they tell a story. They need to close the deal. They need to convince another person. They'll throw in a few extra details that lo as, uh, as their spirit in that moment inspires them to do so. They do it so much until it becomes like second nature to them. Those are what we refer to as badaim, so shakranim and badaim. The Gemara Sanhedrin says, a badai, even if he says true, or a truthful statement, you can't, they, they lost their chazgat kashrut. You can't believe what they're saying. Uh, we assume that against their will, they're incapable of speaking truth any longer. Don't know about you, I've met people like that. People who are so conditioned to telling lies that they believe wholeheartedly they're telling you the truth. In their mind, they believe they're telling the truth. But they've become such impulsive, such constant liars, they don't know how to just speak truthfully in a pristine and pure sense. They've taught their tongues 
only how to speak falsely. And then there's a lower level. So we have shakranim, we have badaim, shaholyam kal, meholi harishonim. Their ailment, their illness of telling lies is a little bit lighter. They might not be as consistent. But at the very least, they don't realize and they don't pay attention to the fact that they need to distance themselves for it. And if they have the opportunity to tell a lie, they might not do it in serious situations, closing a business deal, telling an important story, uh, giving the proper advice to a person, but they'll from time to time throw it in. Without evil intent. However, this is all the opposite of the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the attribute of the pious, righteous people. Righteous one hates you should distance yourself from it's not that you're supposed to safeguard yourself, so you're supposed to distance yourself. You have to build for yourself gates, you have to build gedarim, siyagim, in order to distance yourself because the, uh, the the capability to fall prone to lie is, is very ripe and rich. It's the statement in the Gemara and Shabbat and Dafnunhe that the signet of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is emet. I once read from the Hafez Chaim, I read this in Rabbi Shurkin's book, that he said that uh, a signet ring, by definition, is always looks like the opposite. It's only when you stamp it down onto the page that you realize what it truly looks like. So it means that in this world, we can, aside from our own attributes, when we talk about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we can sometimes make out matters and assume it's one way without realizing that it's altogether different. It's only when it's all said and done that we appreciate its truth. That's the specific description of the Hotam Vadai, if that's, quote, the signet ring of God, if that's his mark, can you only imagine what its opposite would be, uh, how much hated by God. And in truth, it's Pasuk in Zechariah, The greatness of my nation is that they don't lie. You want to be a ben, a son of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You're a person who's not deceitful, who is truth. The promise, the vision, the prophecy of Yerushalayim is that it'll be the city of truth. Hence, in truth, the Gemara at the end of Makot, the Gemara over there says that to be truthful in your heart is akin to the ways of Rav Safra. Rashi over there quotes from She'iltot. The She'iltot explains that Rav Safra was once, for example, in the middle of Kiryat Shema, someone came up to him interested in a deal. <laughs> they suggested they'll pay him X amount of money. <clears throat> he couldn't respond. He was in the middle of Kiryat Shema. When he finished Kiryat, by the time he finished Kiryat Shema, the deal, the, way, the suggested uh, paying price was much higher. The person said, I'll pay you $10. And he said, $100. By the time he finished Kiryat Shema, and he went back and he said, listen, I would have taken the 10. I was just in the middle of Kiryat Shema. So let's close the deal for 10. That's Vedover Emet Bilvavo, as an individual who's so imbued with the honesty, the truthful character trait we're describing. The Gemaran Bava Metzianda. Kaf Gimal says that even a Talmit Hacham 
or maybe by extension, Harambam doesn't have this only by Tamideh Hachamim, can and should only lie or twist the truth in three circumstances. What are they? None others, no other circumstances. Masechet, if you ask them how much they've studied, they're supposed to lie. So how much, if you fun, finish all of Talmud, they're supposed to say, well, I've, I have a little bit left, I have a lot left. Uh, the other one is Puriya. If you ask them about marital, Puriya means a bed. If you ask them about marital relations, they're not supposed to tell the truth, obviously. Ushbiza, if they're a guest in the place, and uh, they want to know where you're staying, they're not supposed to tell the truth to that either because in that circumstance you're setting the host up for potential lowlifes who are going to come to them. It's those three and none others. That's the Gemara Masechet. And the Mishnah at the end of the first chapter of Masechet Avot has Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel saying that three things are the pillars of the world. What are they? Emet, Din, and Shalom. Emet, Emet is truthfulness. Of course, we're familiar with the third Mishnah in Masechet Avot, the three things the world was built upon, and those are Torah, Avodah, and Gimilut Hasadim. How do you square the two? Is it Shimon HaTzadik's statement in the third Mishnah, or is it Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel's statement in the 18th Mishnah? Is it Emet, Din, and Shalom, or is it Torah, Avodah, and Gimilut Hasadim? Bet Yosef at the beginning, Siman Aleph of Hoshin Mishpat, suggests that there's a base level, creation of the world, Torah, Avodan, Gimut, Hasadim, and then there's reality as you and I know it. There's the world we've inhabited, there's the exiles that we are overwhelmed by, and as a result, true Torah, he writes, ah, we can't really do that any longer. We try our best, but to get to Amudoshel Olam of Torah, we have exile, Avodah, we have no Mikdash. Gimut, Hasadim, there are so many sorrows, we think about ourselves sometimes, rightfully, more than uh, another. And as a result, he says, in terms of reality, Shimon HaTzadik speaks in an ideal. Reality, says Rabban Shimon Gamliel, Ha'emet, Ha'din, Ba'ashalom, means in reality, in the world that you and I know, no excuses away from Emet, Din, and Shalom. V'chad min amudim sh'aulam omed alem hu ha'emet, imken mi sh'dover sh'eker, ki'ilu note yesodo shel olam, person who's lying, who's speaking without truth, it's as if he's um, moving, he's removing yesodo shel olam, foundation of Existence. Person does the opposite. It's as if he's strengthening the foundation of existence. The description here, through and through, is about the importance, the significance of truthfulness. The hotam of Hakadosh Baruch The ways that uh, human beings will skew reality instead of being able to appropriately submit to what it is. I'll just conclude with, as I understand it, the story of Purim in a real sense. Mordechai is Dover Shalom Lecholzaro. Mordechai is an individual who's able to, the, the words of Megillat Esther are Divre Shalom Ve'emet. They're not only peace, but they're truth as well, because in reality, what Mordechai, at least in the way I understand it, was able to stand up for was truth. He saw a system which was skewed to falsity, we found a system which was corrupt, a system wherein Hashverosh was serving himself with many strictures, laws, and realities which the people came to accept. Mordechai felt and understood that this was a system which could not be sustained because it was a system of sheker. That's very much the reality as I read Megillat say He put, he imperiled the nation, put them in such a precarious situation where we may have lost all of our continuity, all of our existence, because he wouldn't bow 
to Haman. Why wouldn't he bow to Haman? Because he felt, as I read it, that that was Sheker. And Sheker was Lakaez, the Gemara on Shabbat and Dav Kof Gimal says. Um, Dav Kof Dalit says it means that the reality, as Misilad Disharim is describing it, is exactly that. This is not just a, a nice trait. This is not just something we strive for. This is at the bedrock of existence. This is Yesodo Shel Olam. When you live in a world of Sheker, it will crumble. When you alternatively strive for Emet, if you strive for truth, if you're if you're imbuing others, if you're existing in a world and looking for that world to rise to a level of truth, you're effectively strengthening those Yesodot Shel Olam. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.